You're listening to the Sill Podcast Perspectives on Art and Technology with Peter Noche and Harry Posner. Episode 19 Dark Side. Hello, darkness, my old friend. According to the World Health Organization, or the WHO, 350 million people worldwide suffer from depression. It's a leading cause of disability. January 2015, this is when all this data was gathered. So we're talking about personal psychological darkness. So here you are, you're depressed, you're walking around with a shroud of darkness, dark clouds, everything's dim, and... Is that how you see depression? Well, partly, but also people do say that depression is really anger turned inwards, and I can see that. Ever experienced that kind of darkness? When I was very sick at one point in my life for about a week, I found myself feeling just, I don't want any of this to last. I don't need this. Who needs this? To a kind of pit of despair in a way. That's Mm -hmm. what it is. It's despairing of life. So when you felt that way, what did you do? Made myself watch sitcoms. (laughs) (laughs) Made myself laugh. That works for you. So laughter, laughter was the... Yeah, laughter is certainly a, a medicine for depression, for feeling low. Um, For me, it's activity. And music? Music, for sure. Music uh, in itself makes me more active. What would be a a tune or a band you'd listen to to make yourself feel better? I think typically when I really need to pick up the most, I will probably go to soul and blues, rock to some degree, but I'm a blues soul guy. particular band? A lot of horns, a lot of kind of rhythm. I love rhythm, Um, so even reggae, uh, soul. These people are singing from their personal experience, and it's working for them, so it can work for me too. Right. So uh, laughter, Laughter upbeat music can be infectious, basically. Uh, It can act like an infection. Yes. No, I love comedy. Don't get me wrong. I love comedy, but if I'm really feeling kind of out the last thing I want to do is sit on a couch. When I feel like that, typically I'd like to do something where I'm moving because mm-hmm. I find that the movement picks me up. What kind of movements? Physical movement. For example, if I want to clean, if I want to vacuum, if I want to dust, I put on some music and then it's painless. <laughs> <laughs> because otherwise it's very painful. <laughs> I'm never really painful, but it just like it's, it's like if you admit it, you know, it's if you're painful. Just, no, I, I don't hate it or anything. I'm not particularly fond of it, but I don't I do. hate it. <laughs> hate you it. do? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but that's um, me. No, um, I just find music is a pretty direct way. The other way I find is, is not to isolate yourself. However, there are certain kinds of depression that, like you say, are born out of a physical problem that limits your ability to go out because you feel either not physically capable or you feel intimidated or you feel uncomfortable being exposed that way. Right, and there are genetics involved. They've shown that depression can run in a family. 
mm. for example. So there may be predis- I lucked out then. There may be <laughs> predispositions <laughs> towards sure. depression sure. and that sort of thing. But beyond that, it's not so surprising that people will be depressed looking at the world we live in. We right. think about the planet, wars constantly every day. There's war on this planet. People are annihilating each other every single day. Somewhere, somehow. Somewhere, somehow, there's darkness, so to Mm -hmm. speak. Yes. Right? And so if you tune into that, if you make a point of, of thinking and caring about our planet, it's very hard not to become sad and depressed and somewhat pessimistic about life. But you're far more likely to go there when you're exposed to that if you yourself are not feeling good. So I find the best way to combat even that thing kind of crawling into my mind is to feel good personally. So if I'm rested, if I have a certain amount of energy, those kinds of things impact me less. Yeah. Here's the other thing I was thinking about, about darkness. I was thinking about the younger generation. Mm. We're children of the 50s, 60s, you and I. Yeah, 60s, 60s, 70s. And and back in those days, we had Shelley's Frankenstein. We had Dracula. Mm -hmm. We had the the boogie monster, the scary ghosts. But we didn't have zombies, per se. That's a good one. We didn't have the walking dead. And the younger generation these days seems to be deeply interested in zombiedom. Well, not only deeply interested, they actually emulate in many ways, either through their dress, through their behavior, like it's gone to another level. What I remember, things you described before, uh, those shows and so on, Frankenstein, Dracula, it was kind of an in-the-moment thing. You didn't live it throughout the whole day. You, you lived it during the period that you were watching it. Or, That's right, yeah. Um, it, it didn't yeah. seem to have a, this profound kind of all-encompassing feel to it that we seem to have now, but I'm not sure because I'm not them, so I don't know what their experience is. It wasn't obsessionary the the way it seems to be now. So my question is, are young people, the ones who are obsessed, are they themselves feeling like zombies? Are they feeling numb in the face of a world which seems out of control and violent, where greedy is the way to go? And are they in a, a general depression? The whole generation, in a way, is it depressed? I'd have to almost, you know, be involved in that particular circle and, and be with them and talk to them about it. The impression I get is that they seem to absorb things differently, and they're far more enmeshed in the source of this information than we were. We watched something, but we didn't have smartphones and computers that were reminding us every moment. We watched Dracula. We went to sleep. We went out. Went to school. Went to play, and. Maybe that that weekend or another night we watched the show and we were having like snippets of things. You know, mm-hmm. We weren't engulfed in it. Yeah. This is perpetual. And I think it's also exacerbated by the fact that I think they're more isolationist than we were. We, we spent more time uh, in groups or in outdoor situations, other milieus that I don't see. I, I'm sure it happens even now, but they seem to be a lot more isolationist than we were. I could be wrong, but that's the impression well, I get. You're not wrong at all. I mean, we've read articles. I have read articles talking about how many fewer young people are dating at certain ages, Mm -hmm. that that's happening later and later because they're so isolated from each other. Today's youth, someone who's 20, 25, has parents 
who are engulfed by all this as well. The parents are on computers and smartphones, so there's, <laughs> there's no break. Yeah. Now, mind you, your parents, my parents, went through their own heart of darkness. Yes. The war. Totally the different. The Holocaust. They came through that yep. and out the other end, alive, mm-hmm. surviving it, gave birth to us. In my case, I'm blessed with parents who in some ways spared us the deep sorrow and pain connected to that darkness that they experienced. They didn't share that with us until we were adults. Your parents were in Auschwitz? Yeah. Both My mother was. Oh, your mother. My father was in, he didn't go into the camps. He had to flee Poland. That's a whole other story. How long was your mother in Auschwitz? Um, Something like eight months. Wow. At the end. She was one of the ones liberated from Auschwitz at the end. And, you know, they didn't talk to me about it for a long, long, long time, sparing me that darkness. And then I insisted and interviewed them on tape to get the story and all that because I wanted to know. Sure. The point is that at some point in our, our lives, we have to enter into darkness to understand it. Yep. Either, either our parents' darkness or darkness in our own lives. Directly or indirectly. Yeah, what's it called? Going into the, the night of the soul, the dark night of the soul, where you have an experience that, that is extremely painful or debilitating, and you have to go into it and somehow survive it, get through it, and come out the other end and mm-hmm. into the light, let's say, right? Yeah, yeah. We all have to do that in one way or the other, smaller or larger. I've had mine, I'm sure you've had yours, whether smaller or larger. Well, my father was on the Russian front for a couple of years in the Italian military until he surrendered in September of 43. So he had some exposure to a lot of not-so-nice yeah. <laughs> moments, to say the least. Our parents were scarred. For sure. By the experience. Well, my right? father was a manic depressive, so They're, whether it was post-traumatic stress, yeah. which I'm inclined to believe it yeah, was, yeah. at least to some degree. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, they were definitely uh, affected. Yeah. And so if you're actually living in a war zone, you may not be in the army. You might be just living in that war zone. That's, that's a huge darkness on your country, on your society, yes, it on is. your family. And you have to live through that. Especially if you internalize it as part of your worldview. Yeah. And you know what? If you ask a lot of those people who went through these wars, and they would say it was the most, in a way, exhilarating time in their lives. So it was darkness but it forced them to grow in deep, deep into themselves and understand more about life than they would have ever learned had there been peace. I think just the very nature of those situations immediately changes your perspective. I think unless it affects you extremely negatively where you're not even able to process, you're probably going to become very appreciative of some very basic things that someone who does not have that experience perhaps would not have. Right. And what, what, uh, what Hollywood and the artists and art, the arts do is they kind of fill that gap with war movies. Right. You know, with, oh, come over to the dark side, side. Luke Skywalker. Yeah. You know, uh, give us the darkness in... Uh, Form of entertainment. Entertainment and yeah. in fairy tales. And the young people these days, too, right. are fascinated with uh, fantasy that's also part of the artistic creation of storytelling is, is to put in the contrasting elements. So if you want to make something really joyful, you put in something really sad to contrast it yeah. or, or serious, whatever. People don't want to read a novel where everybody is happy through the whole novel. Mm-hmm. There's no conflict. Right. There's no drama, <laughs> right? They don't want that. People want to read about characters who are going through the fires yeah. of their life, like Martin Sheen's character in Apocalypse Now. 
yeah. going towards uh, General Kurtz or Colonel Kurtz, yes. right? In this incredible through the noise and, and napalm, and the napalm and all of this insanity, yeah, literal insanity. And he's going there and basically he's going there to kill him, I think, or bring yes, him back. Right. That's his mission. And, and he comes upon a man who is engulfed in darkness to the point where the horror, the horror yeah. is actually an exaltation of, of the darkness. It's an incredible film for that very recent, you know, it's based upon Heart of Darkness, I think, Conrad's Heart of Darkness. That yeah, film. Quite, quite the performance by Brando. Yeah, absolutely amazing. Yeah. And, you know, it's not easy to become that as a character. I've done it in my own little ways, and it's very hard. But, you know, after having kind of lived in it for a large portion of my young life, because my father was hospitalized a few times, he went through a lot of extreme situations periodically, and not to belabor that point, I sometimes think we can also create drama, I'm not saying that there isn't darkness in the world, there is. But sometimes I think we also can create more than there actually is by our particular view. Mm-hmm. For example, in societies where you're raised with a particular view on death, for example, as this kind of ominous, scary mm-hmm. uh, ending versus uh, just an acceptance of the fact that we're all terminal and um, there's a time limit on everything. So you can take something that is really kind of matter of fact and turn it into something very black. Oh, sure. I think sometimes when you talk about books, the Hollywood aspect, they're creating drama simply because there's not enough drama to sell Mm -hmm. a product or a service. Darkness sells. Yeah, exactly. Hello, darkness, my old friend. friend. (laughs) We've come to sell you again. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Personally, I have have no problem being in, in kind of a happy, joyous kind of environment. I'm, I'm perfectly cool with that. You see, but, but, you know, I am too, but I'm also cool with the darkness because yeah, sure. I would say that the darkness is not necessarily negative. I it's agree. really a time or a context in which you need to reevaluate all your values. Yes, introspection. Uh, yeah, who am I is the question that's raised all over again. Right. And it's not a bad thing to be questioning your identity constantly. Every moment of every day, it keeps you awake. It makes us think and rethink. So I have no problem with that. And artists go in that direction. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about an artist, for example, where we know that a lot of great work or a lot of great creativity has been born out of these situations where there's either a lot of blackness or sadness that perhaps pushes that art to another level. But let's look at somebody like John Lennon and Paul McCartney. Okay. There's a good example. Now, there's two individuals by, at least from what you read or what you hear, you don't know for sure, but... John had a much kind of heavier background, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, he had family loss that was obvious. His mother, father, he hardly knew. Whereas Paul came from a seemingly happier background. His father was musical. He had a, for lack of a better term, a more normal upbringing. Yeah. And yet they're both extremely talented, both very creative, but they produce very different results. Sure. John sings, you know, imagine there's no heaven. Help. Nowhere man. Help. Nowhere man. Right. And what is Paul uh, writing? Yesterday, Yesterday, Michelle Mabel, wings over Miami, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. when I'm 64, stuff like that. You're right. A lot of it has to do with the, the context in which we grow up, you know, mm-hmm. where we tend to go with our arts for artists, etc. Mm-hmm. I think about psychologists like Carl Jung. Yeah. 
in the unconscious and their attitudes, their view of it. And with Carl Jung, the unconscious is not a dark place per se. It's a place that is submerged generally. It's a hidden place. We're not aware of existing, but it's there constantly, like an undercurrent, like a collective consciousness that we can dip into at times. So it's a different view of what darkness is. It's more what we're not aware of. Right, but you're you're just using the word darkness to define the unawareness. Yeah, it's like... As opposed to it being something really diabolical or or, or evil or whatever. Yeah, when you're uh, orbiting the moon... Mm -hmm. There's darkness. There's a dark side where you can't communicate. Everything is cut off. It's a perfect uh, metaphor for how we think of darkness. It's a place that is mysterious. It's invisible. You can't communicate. You can get lost in it. Will you ever come back? And look at we go into darkness every night. We fall asleep every night. We go into this dark universe, and then we come back in the morning, mm-hmm. and there's light. And there's a, so we have a, an intimate relationship to darkness and light. It's so much part of our being that we often just take it for granted. And remember the conversation the other day yeah. when he described that artists in their painting use light and dark to signal depth mm-hmm. or to measure depth. Or yes. contrast. Right. So when they put objects on a canvas, they use light and dark to give you a, a sense of 3D. Which is wonderful. It's using darkness as an experience to illuminate something in their art. Even the, the blackest of the black and our ability even to deal with it, I think a lot of it comes from our sense of wholeness that we have or don't have. The same reason why some people seem to handle those extreme situations better than others. Mm-hmm. Take the situation of the camps that you talked about earlier. You have people who simply walk up to the wires, attach themselves, electrocute themselves and perish because yep. they can't handle it. And then you have mm-hmm. the other people in the exact same camp mm-hmm. who are sitting underneath their wooden stool looking for any warmth or food or anything to give them another mm-hmm. minute of life. Um, to fight to the bitter end. And I think a lot of that comes from what you have been either given or what you've created for yourself. Mm -hmm. Well, my mother, for example, her parents both died within a few months of each other when she was something like 15 years old. So she and her sister were left alone in the world in this small town in Poland with no one and living in a house, their parents' house. And the community around them said... You're not going to go into a home. You're going to stay where you're living. We will support you. We will bring you food. We will help you get through and grow up. And that's what happened. So no matter what kind of darkness there is, there are people who are there to say, it's not all dark. There's light here. If you allow them in. Yeah. And if you allow yourself to go there rather than pull yourself back. Because a lot of the blackness or darkness that individuals experience. And again, everybody's situation is unique, so I can only speak for myself. But in terms of just staying amongst people, even if it's minimally, but don't pull yourself completely out of a situation because that energy that you can get from people who are at that particular time in a better place or able to deal better than you're able at that moment, they can Mm -hmm. provide you with something. Yeah. And, you know, darkness, the color black, it's a very spiritual color. Which is why I think you see in many countries like Italy and Greece and those places, when there's a death, everybody's wearing black. Women are wearing black, they're black veils. 
And it's not because they're grieving so much. It's because black is actually a very spiritual color. It's a very deep color. And it's also a way of showing respect. Obviously, sometimes exaggerated depending on your perspective, but... Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, sure. But as a color, right? Because we think about these things, think about the deepest, darkest Africa, which for the longest time meant it's a scary, violent place and there's cannibals and they're going to eat you and blah, blah, right. blah, blah. So they paint, we paint things as dark when we don't really understand what it's about, mm-hmm. you know? And when we do, there's no need to talk like that anymore. We don't talk about deepest, darkest Africa anymore because mm-hmm. we understand it as a continent. You're not afraid of it. Right. You haven't necessarily eliminated the mystery, but you've eliminated the negativity associated with that mystery. Right. Because things being an enigma aren't necessarily negative. Yeah. It's just an enigma. It's a damn enigma is what it is. Yeah, it's a damn enigma. (laughs) That's right. I had a, a body rash many, many years ago. Okay. Which happened because I got second degree burns through a sunburn I had. It was just horrible. And my whole body rashed up from toes to top of my head, wow. covered in this rash. And you can imagine the itching yep. that was happening. It was just driving me insane. I couldn't sleep, right. couldn't do anything. And then I remembered a teaching by this teacher, this spiritual teacher named Krishnamurti. Yeah, said, you've, you've mentioned him a I've few times. I've mentioned him before. Yeah, yeah, I go yeah. back to him often. And what he said was, don't run away from things. Don't run towards them. Don't try to end the pain or the darkness, simply observe it. Yes. Neutral observing, just observe. And so I tried to do that. I tried to go, okay, I'm just going to observe as neutrally as possible. And accept. This thing, accept, be there, not run away, not run towards it, just be there. And the amazing thing happened, the amazing thing happened, the itch suddenly became something not an itch, It became simply heat on my skin. I kind of realized, wait a minute, this isn't an itch. It's just heat. It's a change in temperature on the skin. That's all it is. I can handle a change in temperature on my skin. And the itch calmed right down. Well, because you internalized it differently, which in itself calms you down. That's part of our problem with so many things, not just darkness. Once you go into that kind of panic or inability to change your situation by force or will, you get yourself into the state of mind that perpetuates your problem and right. exacerbates it because right. you're, you're resisting. Yeah. You're resisting. Uh, what is it? There's a saying, resist and it persists. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So it's that whole thing. I'm sure a lot of people could relate to having any kind of an ailment. Let's talk about being a teenager or even an adult for that matter, and, and you have a pimple. And you're obsessed with this little pimple. It's, it's just a pimple. And so you either try to remove it or you try to eradicate it in some way and it gets worse and it gets infected. And now instead of two days, you've got it for a week. And it feels like it's a football on the side yeah. of your face. And, so, right? and then suddenly, for some reason, you don't know why, but suddenly you forget about it. Maybe because you're tired of focusing on it or whatever. You just forget about it. And then it's like days later, you go, geez, that just went away. I'd forgotten all about it. Mm-hmm. It's almost like as soon as you let it go... It kind of goes. But what you're saying is interesting because what you're saying is if you put your attention elsewhere than on the darkness that's consuming you, your attention will be elsewhere and you won't be in darkness. You'll be 
where you're putting your attention. Which will automatically reduce the anxiety you were feeling while you're in darkness. Exactly. Which reduces... So there you go. Yada, yada, yada. Yada, yada, yada. We've solved the world's problems. That's it. And on that note, the world is one beautiful, happy place. Is it not? I ask you. I am your father, Luke Skywalker. <laughs> the Sill Podcast, Perspectives on Art and Technology, is a Connecting Dots Media production. Available at connectingdotsmedia.com.